welcome to another episode of Relationship Smart Women podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Matheson, and today I'm so excited because I have someone here who is going to really add relationship smart value um, with our chat today, and that is Rochelle Glendon. Rochelle is a slow living coach, and we've known each other for ugh, a long time online and oh. networks, 10 years. Something oh, at like least, that. yeah. I've yeah. known you since before I had my kids. So. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what I love about the fact that we're doing this and we're having this chat, Rochelle, is, yeah, like I was sort of saying before, is I feel like our, our coaching practices sound really different on the surface, but mm-hmm. actually there's so much overlap. Like slow living, couple therapy, relationship coaching sounds really different, but actually... I just feel like often our aims feel really similar. So I want to um, maybe ask you to to fill in any gaps there with an introduction that I've missed um, and, yeah, tell people what you do. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Oh, I can't wait for this chat. It's going to be so good. <laughs> yeah. So hi, everybody. Yeah, my name's Rochelle Glendon and I am the founder of How to Live Slow, which is also incidentally a podcast, um, but also I am a slow living coach. So I work predominantly with mums around how to slow down. And the reason why they're so linked is because in all other ways, our lives are so focused on our output and what who we are for other people but when you slow down for motherhood it's all about your relationships and your relationship with yourself predominantly and how you can find joy in the everyday which is a real challenge when you've got young kids and you've been out in the world and now suddenly you're at home with a baby and you're not really sure who you are so yeah there's so much to it and yeah um and slow living is not just for you know new motherhood slow living is a movement um it is all about coming back to ourselves and it's about um you know how we enjoy our food how we enjoy the world around us you know the slow food movement there's the slow fashion movement it's all about slowing everything down and not focusing on growth growth more 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 Mm-hmm. Which, yeah yeah I mean I'm probably about 10 years ahead of you on the parenting path my kids are 16 and 13 <laughs> yours are like six oh, and three or oh, six, six and, and three. four so you're like literally 10 years <laughs> literally 10 years about there so I've got the uh slow living teenage <laughs> attempts being made um so absolutely I find a lot of value in in hearing your words and just Oh, reminding myself, you you helped me to remember with your message to slow down, to slow down. So I just wanted to start with actually that this is, I mean, I think a lot of us could say this, but this is a particular struggle of mine. I feel like um, I am very productive and very efficient, but not necessarily with the quality it's all about saving time, cutting corners, getting through the to-do list. And, and I think it affects everything, right? I, I think I am, I am really able to interrupt that pattern when it comes to my creativity and my parenting and my relationship, but it is so ingrained in me and my 
the way I was parented and my father's attitude to time was just like never be one minute late for anything. And so I get time anxiety all the time. Um, but but that time anxiety actually inspires me to rush to things and uh, like stress out about time a lot. And it, it can be hard to remember to slow down. And, and my kids notice this about me, you know, and my, like I'm gifted with this husband who does not feel this stress and pressure at all. And I'm often reminding myself that he is teaching me patience. He's teaching me patience. He's teaching me not to rush. Because he doesn't, like, if we've invited to a friend's barbecue, he does not stress about being an hour late at all. Whereas I'm like, <laughs> I can't breathe. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's, I mean, I know that that's, this is not what slow living is about. It's not about are you on time for things or not? But it's just this idea of rushing and slowing down and putting more space in and actually being present in those moments. But I actually feel like writing my book, The Beauty Load, is one of the first slow creative things I've done. And it feels I feel proud of it because it took me four years or whatever, however long it, <laughs> it took me. Um, I was tempted throughout to go, okay, that's enough. Let's just send it off. It's fine. But I kept my, my truth was to keep coming back and slow down and take, let it take its time. Yeah. I think what you just said, let it take its time. Right. And, and that's the thing, like it's changing that relationship with time that, like you don't have to, you, like if you're constantly feeling like you're running out of time, I'm running out of time, mm. I've got to get it done, do, yeah. do, do. And there's a deadline, there's a deadline. Whereas it's almost like coming back to a trust that everything has its own time mm. and, you know, allowing that to be, that's the thing about slow living. Like you said, it's not about always being on time or being okay with being late. It's that mm. not over committing ourselves mm. so that everything that we do commit to can evolve into the fullness of its own time and yeah. in the right way. Yes. Yeah, I think that's the difference. Which is yeah. exactly what happened with my book. It's like yeah. I had to get out of the picture entirely yeah. and let the book have its way with me rather than me try to control it. I feel like there's a massive yeah. control issue st stuff with, involved with slow living, right? You have to kind of yeah. surrender a lot of that control, yeah. that instinct, yeah. that is that Marta? Like, I, um, I just want to introduce the idea of Marta because I know you talk about the Marta. You have a course, is that right? Marta to matriarch? Yes, yeah, yeah. That's like, oh, it's kind of like my process. I've called it the matriarch way because I mm. realise like nobody wants to admit to having the qualities of a Marta. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yes, Who, it me? is Marta to no. me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. Um but yeah, that is the that is the martyr. Um, uh, when we're trying to control everything, so there's a funny thing because, like, you know, you want to step into leadership, and everybody thinks leadership is being in control, right? Mm -hmm. But the feminine version of leadership, which is the the matriarch or the matrifocal leadership, um, is not power over and control over. It's power with. 
Mm-hmm. So it's bringing your family along for the ride or bringing your pr- creative projects or your work along for the ride mm-hmm. under under your wing almost. Um, did, yeah, did everyone beautiful. else just feel a yearning? Like I felt my heart go, <laughs> yes, please, in that. You know, like I think that 2,000 years or more, 5,000 possibly of patriarchy. Yeah. Oh, I just felt that then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The matriarchy. Yeah please more. Yeah, <laughs> so it's exactly. about starting that, that revolution at home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Started mm. at home because I think, you know, and a little side note, I guess, you know, if we think about patriarchy as a culture that we live in, patriarchy is kind of like the soup that we are in. We're yeah. affected the by it. Fog. Yeah. And it's a culture, but we forget that as women, we are half of the culture so in so many unconscious ways, we're perpetuating the patriarchy. Mm. So doing this work within ourselves and within our homes changes the microculture within our home, which then creates, you know, over generations, hopefully uh, that a change in the, in the macroculture. Um, and I think that that's why it's so important. Like you think, well, why does it really matter? But it does. It really it does. does. And we can change the experience of our girls and our boys in the future. Yeah, because um, patriarchy is not great for men either, really, is it? Oh, it's not. <laughs> it, it's not serving anyone. But even just, I think, I, I like to think as well, yes, it's good to think long-term, you know, about that shift, but I also think there's a ripple effect because it's not just in the next generation that you are bringing up. It's also in the people around you, your neighbours. I mean, obviously, you're having an impact with the people you coach and guide. Yeah, there's a yeah. ripple effect. Absolutely, Yeah. Yeah, and I like uh, just this idea. Oh, I've just totally lost my train of thought there, Ashley. Sorry. I know. We're talking about some really big concepts here, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> it's like these great ideas. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Uh, let's slow down. Let's take a breath. I just felt my, my mind just racing there with excitement of what to chat to you about. But, yes, slow. Let's Let's actually intentionally be slow for this chat beautiful all right so I want to come back to relationships because I feel like slow living is a relationship smart tool it totally is Absolutely. Yeah. And because, again, slow living as a feminine concept um, is all about, okay, well, you think of yourself as almost like the magnet for your family and you draw them into you or like, you know, I've told my analogy before of, you know, we see everybody trying to juggle all the balls and, you know, that analogy where people say, okay, if you've got all these priorities and competing things that you have to do, if you're juggling all these balls which ones are made of glass and you can't drop them now that's a great analogy but in that analogy whether you're juggling glass balls or not you're still a clown you're still juggling (laughs) balls right (laughs) you're still thinking about what you're doing around how it relates to other people and how you can spread yourself too thin and be to all you know you might have 10 glass balls like that's just right. too many ball, you know, right. like, and, and, and the we, mental load of having to think about the glass balls and where they are in the air and how you're going to catch them. Yeah, exactly. All of that is like, and as a side note to this analogy, the mental load 
being this burden mm-hmm. is a is a martyr thing as well. Now we can carry the mental load as a matriarch and step into that energy, and the mental load is no longer a burden. It's a way that we love our families. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it, we are women as women. We are designed to think and to you know carry a mental load for what is going on around us, but. Um, you know, that's just our brains. Like we don't, you know. It's actually, it's got a different energy though. It's nurturing. It's nurturing. That's the word I was trying to think of. Yeah. So if you think of yourself as the martyr, juggling all the balls, doing things for all the people, and that that's overwhelming. That feels like you'll never get time. Mm. But when you go, okay, I'm going to sit down into this. I'm going to be a magnet. I'm almost like all of the priorities then become rain say you're in a storm and you open an umbrella and 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 you invite everybody in under the umbrella and the umbrella of protection is like your energy bubble what have you got capacity for Mm. and that's such a better way of thinking about it's such a more simple way of thinking about well what have I got capacity for you know what you have to say no to then Mm. you know that you can't overcommit because there's no room under the umbrella yeah Um, and so I can hear people questioning the glass ball analogy so so how how do I just do I just let them smash on the ground and and pick up my (laughs) umbrella like how do I switch (laughs) how do you switch yes I know that is the thing right that is the work of learning to slow down and have you ever heard of the author uh Jane Harper she wrote The Dry she's an Australian author I've been following her recently and Mm. on Instagram and she shares her writing process and she's a fiction author. Mm. And she said, now most people, and this is really, here's another analogy for you. Um, And as it relates to slow living, but she said, look, I, most people start out writing their fiction book by writing 50,000 words. They write all of the things that they think need to be in the story. And then they've got this big, what you would imagine like a rock and they start chipping away at it. That editing process is about taking away the bits and pieces that don't work Mm -hmm. and, you know, uncovering a story underneath all of that. She said, now I approach it slightly differently. I think of my story and my book as almost like a three, I'm a 3d printer. Now I spend a lot of time planning and designing the framework of what I want to create. Mm-hmm. And then I go ahead and I write the story using as little words as possible to get the message across. Mm. And if you think about it from that way, so I think of like, you know, if you think of it from that first analogy of a rock and you've got to chip away, it's like almost like I'm so busy and I've got to chip away at all the busy things so I can uncover the life underneath it's that I want. a lot more work. It's a lot more work. It's overwhelming. You don't even get started. You just continue and on you as you are. you can't even see where you're going. Yeah, and and every day new things come to play, right? And we continue on that cycle of overcommitting, thinking about like people pleasing, not being able to set boundaries, and being frustrated as as a martyr does, frustrated, overwhelmed, resentful, because why can't I ever get to this life I'm trying to find at the bottom of my to do list? But because there's no end to the to do list. There's no end. There's no end. And as Mart in Marta energy, we are so overcommitted to our own things that we think are important that we can't see that they're actually potentially not that important. Mm. And here's where the relationship part comes in because we think we know what is important for everyone, but so often we do everything apart from ask them, apart mm. from communicate. 
Guilty. And this is the mental load, right, <laughs> as well. Like, you know, asking for help. We try to figure out ways of getting our partners to do more con- contribution in the home. Mm. everything everybody wants me to give them all the hacks and all the Mm. systems Mm. on sharing the mental load but what they don't want to do is have a deep conversation oh look I'm struggling that is a that is a crossover between our work right there yes (laughs) yep absolutely (laughs) just give me the give me the hack I don't want to have to actually go deep with my partner because that scares the shit out of me how can I get him to take the bin out without asking him yeah, I, I was just listening to your podcast on taking the bins yeah. out. <laughs> taking the bin out for some reason is just my thing. Like how you know, <laughs> it's kind of, it's 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 symbolic of the entire microcosm of of patterning or something like that. It's like yeah, um, for me, taking the bin out and not noticing the bin, the bin needs to be taken out for me represents you didn't think about me, right? You assumed I would do it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And you're not thinking about supporting the whole family. Like I constantly am. Yeah. 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 It makes me think of as well, Marta being quite passive aggressive, Yeah, which is not asking, isn't it? And um, it it is basically what we've just said, which is I'm presuming, you know, what I want you to do, but I'm not actually asking you to do it. Yeah. Um, it's not asking, which which ties back to what you've kind of said before, which is that we need to actually value ourselves because if we don't value ourselves, we're not going to be asking for our needs to be met because there's always that seed of doubt of like, oh, am I just being silly or am I worthy of getting my needs met or is he going to, I mean, okay, this is quite heteronormative saying he, but is my partner going to run away if I ask for too much or you know yeah exactly come into that yeah and and that is the value of it right that's the the value piece is knowing first of all what you value and second of all understanding that you are valuable yes can you if you don't can you just tell us a little bit of why we should value ourselves as mothers because I love the way you you talk on this Yeah, so I think, well, we should value ourselves as mothers because if we don't and if we don't take care of ourselves, then that inner child comes out, right? And we don't need our real kids to be competing with our inner child. Ooh. (laughs) Like, you know. (laughs) Yes. 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 (laughs) I know. It hurts, doesn't it, that one? It hurts to hear it. (laughs) Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> we need to meet our own needs. And first of all, we need to know what they are. Oh, which ne- but that that's step one, right? A lot of people yeah. don't have a clue because yeah. they're so used to having everyone else's needs first and having, you know, as a mother, especially of young children, mm-hmm. like I need to go to the toilet is something that yeah. you might have to tuck away for a little while. Yeah. Like even the primary basics get tucked away and so yeah. when it comes to a deeper need or a life satisfaction or a contentment or a what's going to fill me up and make me feel good about myself they're way down tucked away mm. and, and ignored and overridden yeah. and and often we try to for so long we try to convince ourselves that what we need is so linked to our family being okay 
Yeah. And then that comes out, you know, at one point or another, it comes out as feeling so taken advantage of, so resentful, so frustrated, you know, all of those sort of qualities of just um, unappreciated. Mm. And all of that then comes out like you may be feeling that towards your partner, but you're, you, you take it out on the kids or you might just, it just comes out, you know, we might, it doesn't, it, it comes out in different ways for everybody really, doesn't it? But it just undermines our relationships mm-hmm. really um, because we can't, because when you're in that, you're waiting for someone else, you're waiting for your family to recognise you and to see you. Yeah. And they aren't going to spontaneously do that, you know. It has to come from you valuing it and um, you valuing yourself and you are, you know, you change, you see yourself differently. And as you know, like when you do that work of, of valuing yourself, um. It, it changes the way that you interact. Yeah. So, you know, it's like almost like you don't nag anymore or that, you know, not hate that term nag. And I always say like, when you nag, that's not your fault. Like it's a product of, you know, it's an environmental yeah. thing, right? You know, it's people accuse you of nagging and whether they are aware of it or not, like it's almost like that patriarchal thing of this dynamic of a woman nags but actually she wouldn't have to if you if you did stuff but it's like Mm -hmm. the patriarchal relationship the patriarchal conditioning perpetuated within our relationship is is that process of yes we call it maternal gatekeeping almost yes I remember you speaking on this I love that so we are the ones who know how the family home children life needs to go and we are the ones who have to quality control that yeah. And so therefore we have to nag. Yeah. Yeah. Because of our role in the patriarchy. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But when you work on, on that, you can approach it from a, Hey, I could really use your help. Mm. And that's a totally different thing. Right? Because if you think about slow living as a mask, as a feminine thing, like, and that inviting invitation to help, and then the masculine solves problems. So mm-hmm. I always love that, like frame it as, okay, here we go. I've got a problem, (laughs) you know, and this works for anything really, doesn't it? But, you know, instead of nagging, air quotes, nagging, I hate the term nagging, but you know what I kind of mean by when I say that. Well, it's it's often sort of actually it's um, criticism. It's criticism, yeah. Like you never help me, you never notice, or you take me for granted or you just expect me. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, Versus, hey, can you help me with this? You know, it's different. Yeah, and I think I I certainly know that when I have framed things like that, like I'm actually feeling overwhelmed, I'm I'm not coping today or whatever it is I could do with a little support. It's usually it is just like, oh, yeah, of course, sorry, yeah. Yeah. How can I help? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And like what you just said there, it's a feeling of overwhelm. So here's here's the thing that I want to say about slow living. Um, busy, overwhelmed, frustrated, they're all feelings. Yeah. You know, that it, you know, whereas slow living is a lifestyle. So if you solve for a feeling, you put it's basically putting a band-aid on. Okay, so I loved something you said, which was that we 
we wait for our family to value us, which I know the feeling of that. It's like, look at me, look at all this amazing stuff I'm doing for you. And I'm, I'm nearly seeing this, all the glass balls in the air. I can't even look away. I can't rest. I can't put them down, but I'm not feeling valued as, as just the breeding grounds for resentment. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I'm, and I'm also unable in that to really value my partner's input from that place of resentment as well, you know, which is a big input as well, but I'm just feeling undervalued. So I'd love, I'd love to talk about how there's something in that consumerist patriarchy, you know, all about growth world that we are in the soup of that teaches us to value keeping those balls in the air, productivity, and not and not slow, absolutely not slow. Yeah. And you can't, again, you can't get your family to value you. You know, like that's not the purpose of them in a sense. Like if you think about it. So hang on, didn't I have kids so that they could worship me? (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't that a goal? (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? You'd think that. But I sort of think I like to think of it as, okay, if that's why you've got to value yourself, right? You have to value what you do for the sake of it. And almost like, do you know they say like um, when your kids go to school and they get home and they just fall to pieces and it's like, well, why are they falling to pieces for me? Why don't they behave for me? They're the worst behaved for me. It's because you're their safe place. Yeah, of course, yeah. So, you know, and it's kind of like the the world's best compliment. They They know they're loved by you so they can fall apart with you. It's the same sort of thing in a way. Like the kids, if your kids particularly, not so much your partner, your partner should value you, (laughs) but if your kids aren't valued, if you don't feel valued by your kids in one sense, it's almost like you're doing a really good job because they're so safe with you. They don't need to, do you know what I mean? Like like they don't, they don't question your love and support. They don't question that it's going to be there. They're unconditionally loved by you yeah. then yeah. because they're not trying to perform a I value you to make you happy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why you've got to value yourself. You, you need to, you know, you need to know that that is a sign almost that you're doing a great job. Yeah. And you have to claim and take for yourself the things that you need, which probably includes time for yourself, mm-hmm. allowing yourself to have things outside of your motherhood, So not feeling guilty when you leave them to go work or be creative or meet with other women or friends, you know, holidays, whatever it is. Solo camping retreat into the wilderness. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, heaven. (laughs) I always say to my husband, like, we're always like, what would you do with your own if you had a couple of nights away? And he's always like, I'd go play golf for three days. I'm like, I would literally go by myself anywhere by myself. (laughs) That's right. That's right. That's right. I just think that's a pause moment though. Like I just want to take that in for a moment that uh, something dropped for me there where you're like, where you were talking about how your kids are not going to value you because you're the safe place. 
and that we really have to value ourselves. And, and it, a penny also dropped that our values, like being founded in our values, can only come through when we value ourselves. Because if we're not valuing ourselves, we're watering it all down. We're watering down our values, um, what's important to us and all our priorities out the window. And, and we're buying into the values of a toxic culture, which yeah. none of us, if we actually thought about it, would want to do. I, I talk about this in the beauty load as well. It's like if we, if we take this all on, we're, we're basically doing what we would never do with our diet. We're eating all the McDonald's and the fries. We're not questioning it. And of course, those ads are there and they're telling us it's cheap and it's great, it's fun and whatever. And it's, it's, we're indoctrinated into that. But if we don't question it, we're going to be very sluggish and feel shit. And it's kind of the same yeah. with slow living, it's the same with how we feel about our bodies. Mm -hmm. It's taking a we're big question to the conditioning. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And we're going to look for that external validation. Oops, sorry about that door slamming in the background. We're going to be looking for that external validation and that waiting for permission piece, like someone's, you know, if I be productive enough, somebody's going to eventually come along and tell me I've done a good job and let me rest. Which, which we have to forgive ourselves for because I don't know about you, yeah. but it was how we were raised, right? Not just in the culture of our family, but also at school and at work and all of the all of the i don't know the the media will tell us that as well all right so um i love also how you're talking about um, slowing down with food and taking yeah. a bit more time with preparing food. And this, this challenges me because I've always been like, okay, what's the quickest dinner I can make? I mean, not always, but it's tempting, isn't it? You've had a long day at yeah. work. <laughs> like, yes. Yeah. Look, I'm not going to say that convenience foods aren't, don't have their place because I feel like especially Especially, you know, I don't want to be ableist and say everybody should be cooking fresh meals from scratch every single night. That's not Thank what it's that. about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like the slow food movement is where slow living really started in Italy. Yeah. Way back when McDonald's wanted to open in Rome. And I'm sure they have Maccas there now, but it was in the 80s. And the people of Rome were like, hang on a minute. What do you mean fast food? That completely goes against everything about our culture. Yes. Food is the basis of family, basically. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we have artisans who take their time. You know, we value our farmers, We, which is an important part. Like, we don't value our farmers, really. We don't value it, our food fast, producers. That's fast, isn't it? That's like, come yeah. on, quicker, younger, yeah. um, cheaper. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. And value added. Um, so food is about taking time to produce the best quality yeah what we were saying about our book your book before yeah. taking the time to produce the best quality it's yeah. it's the same thing um taking our time to prepare it 
and taking our time to enjoy it with family, with friends, mm. you know, like everybody can kind of think of the uh, the meme or the kind of imagine those long Italian lunches with multiple courses and cheeses and wine and friends <laughs> un- like kind of under a tree along a, lo- a long table with food and music and all of that, you know, that is kind of the basis of slow living and slow food. And not to say that that has to be every single time you eat something, but if you take that approach to, you know, like enjoy the cheese, don't feel guilty about eating it. Like the guilt that you feel about eating, you know, perceived bad food or food that might make you gain weight is so like, you know, or whatever it is, you know, like whatever the thing is with health um, is I think the guilt and the shame around enjoying that is so much worse for you than the actual food. Mm-hmm. And it also, in one sense, takes away your ability to trust yourself around food, mm-hmm. you know. And- Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I'm just, you know, going to punish myself for the joy and for the enjoyment. And yeah. and then everything gets confused. All my signals from my body about that's enough or now I feel like a yeah. salad or something different. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, what kind of thing are we modeling? Like I know all the women in my family when I was young were like, well, I'll cook steak and potatoes, potato bake and, and, and we'll all get together. And the mum will just be eating a tiny little salad on a side plate, not enjoying mm-hmm. that process and, mm-hmm. and going like, you know, I'm a woman, I don't deserve it. And I think that that we can't replicate. We can't continue to replicate that. We've got to show that like, and the way we do one thing is the way we do everything, mm-hmm. you know? I love so, that. Yeah. yeah. It's true. It's true. And, and you were saying something earlier about health as our goal, yeah. you know, actually yeah. also coming into some toxic messaging. So yeah. yeah, I just want to be healthy is now tied up. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I've recently kind of said that health is no longer my goal. Mm-hmm. And the reason is because health is a goal for other people. Like when we, like I find, and I just don't know if you, if you feel the same, but like so many of us say that health is our goal when what we really mean is we want to lose weight or we want to reverse the aging process. or We, we feel like we need to change ourselves in some way to feel more valuable and acceptable for other people. Which is the beauty load. It's younger, slimmer. Right. Mm-hmm. And we do have that pressure. And I've seen recently that weight loss as a goal has now been rebranded to a more palatable wellness yeah. thing, right? Yeah. So now not only have, have we secretly got, you know, it's almost like we've got to secretly lose weight. We can get more shame around the fact that we can't because like we've got to be focusing on wellness and mm-hmm. yeah I just feel like everyone yeah like we've kind of moved on from losing weight but we haven't really it's now just more secret um yeah, yeah. And, and that's yeah and yeah. that's toxic it is because because yeah. it's it's us internally being tricked now yeah and it's <laughs> us saying well I'm not acceptable as I am mm-hmm you know, I don't deserve things. Mm-hmm. I'm not valuable. Mm-hmm. And 
what did we say before? Like the most important thing is to value yourself. If you don't value yourself, then you don't take care of yourself. If you don't take care of yourself, then you can't look after the people around you in a way that feels nourishing because you can take care of people around you in a way that feels nourishing. It feels like a to-do list. It feels like a chore. A burden, yeah, which is like that martyrdom and that's perpetuating patriarchy. So it is amazingly all so related and interconnected. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, I feel like we could talk for hours, but um, we really I know could. <laughs> we have to go soon. So, could you tell my audience here for relationship smart women something, a, a starting place for so, slow living? Like, where would you recommend if this is if this feels like something that people are like, oh yes, this is this is what I need? Where would you recommend them starting? I actually would recommend them starting with learning a bit more about the cycle, the cycle of nature and and your inner cycles. And because it's winter at the moment, it's a perfect time. Like winter has the energy of doing less and setting boundaries. So this is where we kind of start with slow living is that winter phase. So you can't start slow living until you know why, until you know what and, and how. So Winter is the energy of rest and reflect. So Mm. just practice resting, you know, practice saying no to some things and practice getting comfortable, feeling that uncomfortableness of suddenly having a bit more time on your hands because, you know, what happens is all of the reasons why you're busy start bubbling up. All of that hidden stuff comes up. It'll it'll get clearer when you have that space and that time. Why you keep moving and you, and then you'll start to realize how much you perpetuate it yourself because yeah. of that discomfort. Yeah. And that is, it is uncomfortable. So going very gently and not letting yourself get overwhelmed by all the ways that you're busy mm. and just starting with something. What's the first most busy thing that you feel? And that's where I think like a lot of us are overcommitted. So mm. just start to pull that back a little bit, start Mm. being okay with not being in all places at all times. Um, You know, let the kids have less extracurricular activities. Ooh, yeah. That sort of thing. You know, that's a very uncomfortable thing because we feel like they'll be missing out, but they're missing out on their childhood if they've got to be everywhere all the time. That's right. Scheduled to within an inch of their lives. Yeah. And... I'm I'm hearing from a relationship point of view a guilt, a yeah. guilt that is like, oh, but my husband's going to see me not being as busy or something like yeah. that or yeah. I should be busy to make up for. And that I, I feel like that that's going to be uncomfortable Yeah, and comes back to valuing what you do and valuing mm. the energy with which you do it. So that your energy is important. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, how often do we try to squeeze in all of the, like housework, for example, within the spare time that we don't actually have? Like all of those white space activities, we never give ourselves any white space to do them. Mm. You know, and I know it's not all about housework. Nobody really wants to do housework, but, you know, we don't value it. Yeah. Because you know, if we that's have the sort of thing. If, if we have half an hour, we'll often go, okay, 
gotta I've gotta do a bit of this. A bit of laundry. Yeah. A bit of cleaning. But exactly. But if you put that into the calendar as actual scheduled time, then you do have free time mm. to just rest. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I know it's it's there's so much to it. I could just talk all day about this. Yes. <laughs> and I highly, highly recommend that any listeners who are interested go and check out your podcast it's called how to how to live slow yeah yeah and it's available on all your podcast usual places yeah yeah spotify apple podcasts my website (laughs) your website which is just tell us how to live slow.com sorry it's how to live (laughs) slow.com Also, if I'm not talking over you at the same time. And you've also you've also got some really helpful resources. Yes, I do. Started. I have I have uh I mean if you're into PDFs, I have a PDF. It's like an ebook called um The Essential Guide to Slow Living for Mums. Mm-hmm. And you can grab that on my website. Um, and there's a few slow guides. Um, it's under the slow guides tab on my website. So you can see the it's free mm-hmm. there. And then there's a couple of other ones like creating family rituals. Um, they're not free, um, but, you know, they're like 10 yeah. bucks or something. Yeah, like they're that. pretty reasonably priced. So, so there's, there's lots yeah. there for people to explore. Yeah. My favourite one is time abundant mornings because I feel Ooh. like that's the time. Yeah. Time abundant mornings. Doesn't that sound delicious? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Rochelle. It has been an absolute pleasure um i'm sure there's lots in there that's inspired people i'm gonna um link your website to the show notes for this episode and on insta and everything so hopefully people can come and find you thank you so much and while you're there make sure you listen to the episode of nicole on my podcast from way back when yeah yeah two years ago it was it's still one of the most popular so really oh that's so nice to hear yeah we were we were talking about relationships and slow living in a different way though weren't we it was a lot of communication stuff then i think so yeah yeah yeah. that was a really lovely chat too awesome thanks so much rochelle thank you so much for having me (laughs) Ha <laughs> ha